This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hi, guys. I'm Avrin. I'm the crime. And this is Rom Crime. This is a true crime comedy podcast that has romantic hiding behind bushes. <laughs> I was going to say stalking, but that's like two on the nose. Yeah. Romantic. Um, romantic. Lurkers. 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 They're Which always is so romantic. Not romantic, guys. But guess what? Don't Crimes lurk. of passion rarely are. Okie dokie. So, <laughs> oh, oh, Av, let's start yes. off. I want to start off by saying thank you to our patrons. Oh, yes. Thank you so much to our newest Patreon. Patreons or Patreon. our patrons of Patreon. <laughs> yeah. uh, Talia, thank you, girl. And a special thank you to Aura, 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 our mysterious, I don't know, <laughs> patron member who goes who by a name be? with Aura times six. Times six. Yeah. Hello and thank you and we adore you guys. Thank you so much and we love, love, love you. And we are so excited to share all of the content that we've been making. And Mm -hmm. if you didn't know, we are currently covering Michelle McNamara's book and her, the HBO doc based on her book, which is kind of a love, yes, exactly. I'll be gone in the dark. A little love letter from Patton Oswalt, I think. So it's got a rom in there, people. Besides the rape, (laughs) the rape is not the rom. Don't think that we're that twisted. The rape is never the rom. So yeah, join That's us on just Patreon. A, a definitive fact. We'll state that now. Always. <laughs> yeah. So patreon.com slash romcrime for that. And oh my gosh, Avrin, how is your week been? We are in August. It's the hottest of the hot, isn't it? Yeah. And, and we're just entering uh, an extreme heat wave here in Los Angeles. Yes. Like heat warnings are in effect until Monday night at 9 p.m. So I don't really know what that means other than boo. And apparently yeah. it's also wildfire season. So that's yes. been all over the news. But yes. otherwise, you know, um, can't complain. Been hanging out, doing my thing. Mm-hmm. Um and uh, let's see. Well, I have a husband who's very, very into sports. And mm. at the moment, it's so comical to me that I appre- I actually appreciate it a lot. It's a nice change. It feels like somewhat normal. But, I mean, they just bombarded us with everything all at really? once. 
It's like, like all the sports. I know there's like hockey because the my husband's Canadian, so he loves the hockey. Yes, hockey is a big one because, you know, my husband, the Chicago boy, is obsessed with the Blackhawks. That's right. And then also baseball. He's obsessed with the Cubs. Oh, so the baseball's so happening. Okay. The baseball's happening. The hockey's happening. And then I just saw, I feel like I just saw that football's about to start. No, and I was like, really? What? I'm like, how is that possible? I know, but they're doing it. But like, um, what are we going to do? Spend 12 hours a day watching sports? That is not yeah. going to fly with me. I know. <laughs> I know. I, I joke and I've said it many times, but I do feel like my husband catfished me because I met him when he was like a theater actor and we were both <laughs> actors. And then, I mean, I knew that he he had played hockey all of his life, um, but right. then he got really into all the sports and I was like, what is that? Why do guys do that? <laughs> why, why, why did that Listen, change? Yeah. I can get guy, excited guess, about a sport, but. I'm obsessed with the baseball. I nice. I got brought into the baseball early on in our relationship. The Cubs are such a fun team to like root for, okay, especially yeah. because I was not like a first season fan, but like had only been watching them for maybe two years when they won the World Series after 109 right. years or whatever it was. Wow. And so it's just exciting to be a fan of the Cubs. Yeah. But I'm just like, you know, it's back to back to back to back to back games. So I'm just I like, think I've lot. decided to be a fan of the Dodgers because we live almost within walking distance of the Yes. Of the stadium. So I've you know. told you though why I can't be a fan of the Dodgers though, right? Remind me why? Because of, of the treatment I received at Dodgers Stadium. <gasps> oh my God. Yes. Oh my God. <laughs> I got thrown out of Dodgers Stadium for she having did, guys. This a, is crazy stuff. A joint in my purse, which um by the way is not illegal in the state of California. Marijuana yeah. is legal here. Um, but I guess Dodger Stadium being private property, they don't allow it. But here's the yeah. kicker. Wasn't my joint. Right. I could tell everyone right now because Avrin and I have known each other since our 20s. Well, she, she's y- younger than me, but like since my 20s, her 20s. She does not smoke weed. Or if she does, she falls asleep. So I know it and was I not mean, her joint. Nope, it was not. And I still got pulled out of line. I got talked to very rudely by several security people when I was trying to explain that it wasn't mine. But also it's not illegal I will just throw it away. I'm there with my whole, all my in-laws, and I'm being, <laughs> like, escorted out of Dodger Stadium for a joint my husband had put in my purse. Oh, my God. That's right. I'm calling you out, baby. Motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> but she got, don't worry, guys. The happy ending to this story is that she got in. Just I just fine. went to she the just... other entrance. But yeah. still, it was embarrassing. So, therefore, yeah. I can never be a Dodger fan. I can't. Oh, God. I'm sorry. Okay. Yeah, well, I'm going to. That's where we're at. Uh, when I How go... are you? How are yeah, you? Yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah. I'm good. I'm good. You know, the main focus right now is driving on back down, right bound to Los Angeles. I need to be home. Yeah. I'm kind of. I love. We've had so much fun. We've been gone for a month. And our daughter starts school very soon. And so, um, yeah, I, I need her. I was thinking, oh, we could stay at grandma and grandpa's and she could start school. But honestly, I need her to be in a safe space with like just some routine, starting some routine, like kind of making a difference of that was summer. Now we're in right, school. Now we're back in school. Yeah. So yeah, yeah that's, that's gonna be making the plans. Like, do we just try and drive it in one day with two kids, little kids? No, no. but I want to get I'm home. Now you. I made my decision. I'm like, I gotta right. get home. Yeah. I'm telling you, though, I really think that you should take the time to do Highway 1. Interesting. You really won't yeah. regret it, Banya. It's the okay. most beautiful drive you'll ever go on. And where you do that at San Francisco? I think you can start it pretty 
I think Highway 1 goes all the way up through Washington State. But yes, I would definitely, if you don't want to take it the whole way, because I know that would take longer, mm-hmm. um, If around the San Francisco area, if you made a plan to do that. It's just so pretty. It's okay. so pretty. And there's well, fun we... things you can like look at and stop without with being socially distant and safe with your kids. Yes. It's like a big elephant seal look point where oh, you literally cute. can see like hundreds of ginormous elephant seals and they make wow. weird sounds and I feel like your kids would love it. <laughs> oh, they definitely would. They're hilarious. Um, but yeah, can't wait to get back. And honestly, when we get back, everybody, Avern and I are going to try to, what do you call it? We're going to quarantine together yes, and then we're, we're going to start. We're going to start being together again. Yeah, with our recording. So I <laughs> yes. can't tell you how excited I am I for can't that. Wait. I'm very excited um, you guys are coming home soon. But we're going to be very safe, obviously, everyone. So don't judge yes. us. We so will just be smart. keep your judgy eyes away from us. Here, That's right. No, this is a judgment-free zone. We need contact with each other. Anyways, okay. So I'm very excited, guys. This culminates our coverage of Twisted Love, the ID Discovery show that Khloe Kardashian uh, produces. Who knew she mm-hmm. was a true crime fan, but she is. She is. And the episode is called If I Can't Have You, right? But what are we calling it? <sighs> You know, I thought a lot about this, and I, I don't know. <laughs> we'll we'll get there. We'll get We're, there. We'll find it. You guys will just wait with. Ba- oh, I guess you'll already know by the time you listen to this because it will have a name. Yeah. I really didn't. Nothing like jumped out at me this time. I, know. I was and very it, disturbed by this one. I was gonna say that was part. Part. It's hard to be funny or quippy or like, you know, whatever when. When it's so awfully disturbing. So yeah, welcome are, to you, twisted they love. Are, yeah, twisted love. If I can't have you. Yeah. I don't want nobody, baby. If I can't have you. Uh-huh. Okay. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> yes. Hell yeah. So are we set our scene here in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho? Actually, this is where it's now that Avrin kind of talked about the formula of the show. It's you're so right. It's the same every single time, which that's how these shows are. These TV shows, these mm-hmm. um, ID discovery ones. But we start out in the place where the crime happened and we see that first the detective is talking and honestly in every single episode they're like it was the most brutal thing I've ever seen it was right. like the was most the... disgusting horrific crime scene you know and you're yeah, like Jesus that this town has ever experienced this town has never seen anything worse yeah. although this one is really I can imagine yeah. like in that moment which we'll get to it but just the fear of like what is happening yeah because it was Coeur d'Alene is a small town it's very close to Spokane Washington which is actually where my mom was born so I've been to Spokane and Coeur d'Alene a lot in my life because my grandma my grandmother lived in my grandma and grandpa lived in Spokane as so yeah but so we see this uh detective Todd Carroll and they so yeah I'm not gonna get too into the Crime until we get there, I think, because yeah, I don't, just I don't know, blow you up. Obviously, a crime happened, or we wouldn't be talking about this. <laughs> right. But it's a um, small town called Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. Exactly. And then this is Avron's favorite part where the reporter comes with that huge ass book of, you know, old stuff, and he's like, <gasps> it's well, so weird. Why every single episode? Yeah, I know. Well, I know. They must be like, okay, so that's part of the episode. Uh, I mean, sure. Okay, so fine. Yeah, and he was like, it was the biggest news of the day at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, and we meet our main star here in this episode. Her name is Kathleen Cruz. And we see Mark, Kathleen's son, and Abby was the daughter, too. And they're talking. Um, Kathleen talks about meeting her husband, like her first, or sorry, they talk about how they met her dad. She met their dad, Aust- Steve Austin. And 
she believed she was made to be a stay-at-home mom. So they had a really super traditional, like, he worked nine to five, came home every day. The kids were washed up and ready to eat when he was, she had dinner on the table every day. She was incredibly devout and religious and active in her church. They said at one point they were going to church like three times a week, which I do think that one of the common threads in all of these twisted loves is sort of this blind faith. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That I'm just letting y'all know really messes people up. So you got to be careful. Sometimes it does, yo. Like, I don't feel like the religion will play a role in this in the say the way it did in last uh exactly. the last episode where with the grandparents who were like praying the gay away type stuff yeah. but i do think that yeah i think a lot of people forgive too many things because they think that um god is protecting them which that's great but you also you have to use the brain that god gave you mm-hmm. and, and listen instincts. to your goddamn instincts yes but that's so. why this one is so bothersome to me because yes. this woman was listening to all of her instincts and doing everything in That's her power. That's true. And the That's system true. motherfucking fails people yep, all the time. It does. All right, sorry. Yep. Continue with no, the nice no, part of the story. True. Like and that the is really what's, Okay, so so traditional house, all, all that fun stuff, right? So they they moved to Coeur d'Alene in the early 80s when the kids are like in their early teens or something like that. And the daughter was like, it could have been because of my dad's work. He might have lost a job and they didn't really know, but they moved there. Their, her grandma lived there. And so at that point, the kids actually graduate and they've got jobs. So both of the Kathleen and Steven are having the empty nest syndrome thing where they basically lose their shit because they don't have the, these people that they took care of all the time. Well, especially Kathleen, cause that's, they also call her Kate. Um, who that's all she did I can't imagine I mean it would be so hard I and you feel sort of useless I get it so actually they get divorced um oh actually no she goes back to school first right so she goes back to school for nursing because she was like wait I need to do something where I'm taking care of people and the the brother and or you know the son and daughter are like she was just so caring and it was it just right she was a natural she, yeah. caretaker so she decided to go get an education and um, become a nurse which yeah. I think is wonderful yeah and then she graduates and they get divorced and the parent or the kids are kind of like kids of divorced parents where there's like yeah there's many factors but they were both upset <laughs> you know I thought it was pretty interesting, too, Abby, the do- their daughter, how she was like, it was just like they woke up one day and decided we're going to get divorced. And then they just got divorced. There was like no discussion with us, no discussion really with them. She said it felt very abrupt and very yeah. strange. And they kept thinking that they would actually work it out because it was it seemed so out of left field. But that's yeah. not what happened. No, that's not what happened. So in 1997, Kathleen was 49 years old and alone for the first time. She started working at this place called the Life Care Center of Quarter Lane. Um, and she started dating a little bit. Abby mentioned that, you know, she was maybe dating a, some people from her church or just, you know, playing the field. Who knows? I mean, it's your first right. time. I'm sure she was ready to get some strange, you know, just <laughs> only had the same old D. Who knows? Probably not. Maybe she was just really super religious and wanted to have some companionship. But I like to think of somebody wanting the D, especially a 49-year-old woman. That's not that old, you know? So she, at 52, 
She's working there still, and she meets Kenneth Sheldon, who was 46. He was a tall, blonde, blue-eyed guy who apparently was, like, decent-looking, and people thought he was fine, you know? Um, The son said she was the sweet... Okay, so this is sort of like... This, her son, Kathleen's son, was saying that, you know, she's such a sweet person that she would sit and kind of listen to anybody. You know, anybody who had, like, not like me, not like me and Avrin, who have been bartenders in New York, who we know very politely how to just be like, mm, no, thank you. Shut the fuck up. Okay, great. Yeah, Got to walk over to the other side of the bar. Yeah, I'm so sorry. I got to wash my hands at the other end of the bar. But like she didn't have she didn't walk away. You know, she just basically gave every single person there. She saw everyone. So they and said heard that was everyone, such a good yeah. and heard everyone, which I could be a better listener. <laughs> Anyways, so mm-hmm. Ken believed that she was the perfect person. And but Kate was at the time dating a guy named Steve. And in Kate's mind, there was never any like any sort of attraction. Like in her mind, she's fifty two, he's forty six, like and he's a good looking guy. He's not in even not my thing, you know, not right. for me. And she's like, We're we're just buddies. We're work yeah. friends. Yeah, right. We talk. And so she's still dating men from church and she's yeah. kind of landed on one. She did. She she bagged her husband. No well, actually yes. <laughs> this guy named Steve as well. Um, yeah, lots of Steves. Lots she of likes Steves. to be married to a Steve. What can That's you say? Right. I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's so strange. Um, but the daughter didn't like him. She said that he had a temper. Um, Kathleen and Steve were at a store once, just like a grocery store. This is right before they got married. And Kenneth, the friend from work, confronts them. He professes his love to Kathleen. And she's just like, what the fuck? You know, and Stephen wasn't cool with that. And he had... So he had like they had like a major confrontation. And I think Stephen, who was this angry person who also was like a gun toting person. Idahoan. Like, yep. Yep. And was like, you know what? That's not cool, motherfucker. And, and stay I away. said, oh, Kenneth, unwanted advances and comments. Kenneth and the oh, Jesus. He So this is where you kind of you're as I'm watching the documentary, I'm like. He's actually, is he really crazy? Because I didn't know. I was like, who's going to be the crazy person here? I still don't know. Right. So Kenneth gets personal license plate uh, made that says Kate A for her, for Ke- Kathleen. S- and Stephen was like, kind of like, okay, why? Is right, there like, a relationship Did there? you have a thing with this dude? Yeah. Because was he Kate- is constantly being like, don't, don't let him get between us, Kate. You love me. We belong together. Look, I have personalized license plates with your name on it. Because I'm yeah. not creepy at all. And I don't want to judge here, but, you know, Kathleen was not like, she was probably whatever. She was beautiful. They, her kids said she had a great laugh. She had a beautiful smile. But she was, you know, an older mom who from the, you know, in the 90s was just like, I don't know. I'm just saying she wasn't a model. I don't want to be a dick here, but you know. Right. But it's like, that's what's so fascinating. I think about the mind of a stalker is that right. it's, it's very, very little to do with usually anything that the victim of stalking has ever done, said, been. Right. And more to do with just the psychotic, obsessive person's right. inability to move the fuck on. Right. So that's um, my, that's my psychoanalysis of stalkers. <laughs> I think it's a good one. I'm a professional. <laughs> in November 1997, Kathleen files stalking charges, but they continue to work together. Um, and then this is where I am kind of like, what the hell is wrong with this company? Because 
She files stalking charges, and people around know that he's creepy. They they don't fire him. They just change their hours, so they work opposite hours. So she's still, you know, he's still stalking her. It, and they're working together, so it's like you can't really, I don't know. So Kathleen felt like he should have been fired, but he wasn't. Um, and then this is where she he, she marries Steve, the second Steve, Steve Steely. And now crazy Kenneth started writing letters to the family saying Stephen was no good to like aunt, grandchildren even. Like he was trying to contact people. Like this guy was batshit nuts. A stalker. He was this classic stalker. I know. That's really Ugh. scary. September 1998, married less than a year with Stephen, Kathleen is... She, when she started to feel unsafe with him, she refire. So there's a fight. I think a mm-hmm. finger's broken or something. Right. She files a restraining order against her husband. And I, I wrote, fuck wife beaters, Jesus. But what I want to say here is, you know, she was married to another man for so many years where he never, she had never experienced right. domestic violence. And so. I kind of have to give it to her that she, you know, a lot of people just because it's so surprising when it happens. Right. That I'm, I'm proud of her for filing a restraining order against her husband. But, you know, uh, we meet at this point, then we meet Rhonda, Kathleen's Bible group friend. And they talk, she talks about how they go to, they do Bible studies together. And Stephen comes to the Bible studies. They hang out a lot and they do that, you know, where you do that thing where you're like, please pray for me. And Stephen's like, I'm violent. I need prayers. God damn it. I just want to hit, I just want to choke the shit out of her. I'm mad. I'm kidding. I don't know what he said, but I'm just assuming. And so they all know. Please pray the anger out of me. Yeah. Ladies of the Bible study group. (laughs) Right. So, but we'll try after the restraining order. Stephen goes to the mountains, up in the mountains. He's like, I'm going to go, what a little wiener. I'm sorry. I just but thought like- this whole this whole section to me was kind of strange. I understand why they yeah. brought it up because I think it has to do with the legal aspect of everything. Exactly. And I also but think I they're still trying was to like, take us wait, down a blind what? alley. Yeah. And yeah, maybe confuse us. But yeah, he takes to the mountains to go be alone and find God and heal himself of his violentness. Right. And apparently he says to her, um, I'm not going to eat anything. I'm not going to do anything. I mean, I definitely have had back in like, you know, my really early 20, not even 20s, early teens. Somebody was like, I'll kill myself if you break up with me. I'm like, then you should probably get some mental help because I'm not going to be with you. Yeah. You can't threaten suicidal. Mm -hmm. But so, so whatever he did or said to her, she started to worry about him. So she goes up to the mountain and so (sighs) Kathleen, dum dum, she went to find him and they mentioned that you don't want to place a restraining order and then break it because it's really confusing to the judges and the cops. Stocking charges then get dismissed. Oh, no, wait, not, sorry, not, Sorry, I went right. Really Basically, quick. <laughs> she violated her own restraining order, and so then and that we, doesn't look good to the court. Thank you. And now with stalking, back to Kenneth. We're back to Kenneth now. Mm-hmm. Those stalking charges were dismissed, um, and they said you can't go to jail for being creepy. But in this case, the judge sides with the guy. He's like, I yeah. love her. You know, we have this relationship. He convinces her, which makes me so angry. I am so 
angry about this because yeah. she's saying, seriously, you guys, this is real. He's harassing and stalking me. And he's saying, no, the truth is we have a relationship, but she just doesn't want her husband to know about it. So she's making up all these lies about me. And the judge believes him and all the charges against him are, or he's acquitted of the stalking charges and sent on his merry way. And Kathleen is fucking devastated because she literally has never done anything romantic with this man. Yeah. And her life is like falling apart because of his unwanted advances, his constant harassment and stalking. And now she's even being told that she's a liar by a judge. I know. I would be so angry. Oh, my gosh. Me too. Mm-hmm. It's upsetting, you know. And she's like, I'm a good Christian lady. Yeah, she's like, I never things. did anything to, yeah. to like warrant you believing that we have a relationship. So I don't know. I mean, when I was watching, I was kind of like, I wonder if she got out of that long relationship and, you know, then the kids left and everything. So she kind of liked the drama a little bit. I don't know. I mean, but I don't think so, because I've heard of different cases where like people like, for example, there's one story where a woman, you know, her kids leave, they get she gets divorced and then she becomes like an insane addicted gambler. And like loses the money for, you know, anyways. So I think people do like empty nest syndrome is a real sort of psychological thing that it's almost like a midlife crisis type thing. I have no doubt. I'm not saying that she liked it, but I'm saying that she maybe could for a second. And then it was scary. All right. Where are we in the story, Vaughn? Okay, so let's see here. I wrote my notes this time, so I can't read my handwriting. She gets a new job because she doesn't feel safe. Right, because so, he has been acquitted of being a stalker. Yeah, but it's yeah. but he is a stalker, you guys. Exactly. So she gets a, a job um, at... So wait, okay, so I, wait, I, I wrote, Kenneth stalks her more. He won't leave her alone. And then I wrote, hold up, so wait. Kenneth was afraid because Stephen threatened him once. I'm like, what the hell is this even, you know, saying? They, they're trying to get you down a different alley or something like that. Anyway, money months after Kathleen left, left her job, Kenneth gets fired, but finds another job quickly in Coeur d'Alene at the Lacrosse Health and Rehab. Ken, at this point, finds a new object of affection. Mm-hmm. So I also just want to point, just add this because I'm with you. I'm not, I think it's important though. So in this interim, before he gets fired and gets his new job at that lacrosse health and rehab center, um, in July of 99, Kathleen spots him parked outside her home. He's wearing oh, sunglasses. Yeah. She calls the cops, reports it. They say that she cannot possibly identify him because he's wearing sunglasses. That's but stupid. But, you know, you mean the man sitting in the car with the license plates that have her name on them? That's <laughs> not him? Fucking <laughs> cops? Do your jobs. So, oh um, So they say there's nothing they can do because there's no way that to be positive it was him because she didn't see his whole face because he was wearing sunglasses. Bullshit, bullshit, bullshit. So now Stephen, her violent husband, who she has clearly gotten back together with since violating her own restraining order, purchases a gun to keep for protection. And then apparently Kenneth is like, well, then I need a gun because I need protection from That's you. That's where I was confused. Good. I'm glad you, you sort of... I, I just like, because I think happening? it's... Yeah. So now <laughs> both Stephen and Kenneth have guns. And I just think everyone needs to know that. So then, yes, Kenneth is fired, gets a new job, and uh, meets a new coworker that he just really likes, guys. Mm. She's a nurse named Jewel. 
and he asks her out on dates all the time and she's like no thank you though so much and it's very obvious that he makes her incredibly uncomfortable people will often see her walk into a patient's room and for no reason he has no reason to be there he will just go in right after her and then she'll always come out hurriedly and her co-workers will be like are you okay and she's like I am fine but keep that man away from me so she's clearly distressed at his overtures at his attention and then things reach the tipping point if you will or the breaking point Mm -hmm. when um a patient passes away at the facility and the only nurse practitioner available to help jewel with the post-mortem that's required when someone dies is kenneth so she's in a room with a dead patient he comes in shuts the door and immediately begins physically attacking her by groping her and attempting to kiss her like the back of her neck he's grabbing her she doesn't want to scream because the patient's family is right outside the door and they're supposed to be you know performing something medical on their recently deceased loved one and she's not trying to create a dramatic scene but he's basically like assaulting her physically um she gets away from him charges are pressed and this time you guys this time he doesn't get acquitted you know what he does get he gets 30 whole days in jail 30 whole days in jail for um, being found guilty of charges on stalking and then battery because of the groping and the kissing and the unwanted touching. So 30 whole days. I just feel like I want to say it one more time. 30 days Mm -hmm. is what he gets for this. And I clearly they're not keeping track of this guy's record because I guess when you're acquitted, that shit isn't allowed to be like permanent. But, You know, obviously stalking is not something he's new at. Other women, and by other women, I mean our girl Kate has been saying all along, this man's crazy. So Jewel is like, I have to get out of here. If he's only going to serve 30 days, then he's going to come right back and continue to stalk and ruin my life. So she flees. Yes. And that just goes to show you that the system is fucked up and messed up and it is not She moves like states because she's freaked out by this guy. Yes. So, States. with her gone, he returns his affections and attentions to Kate. So he just goes right back to stalking Kathleen as soon as Jewel is no longer available to him. And 18 months of stalking goes by. Wow. I did not know so it was that long. So, 18 months, he continues to stalk her. He um, gets himself a job at a senior citizen facility that is directly across the street from the behavioral um, health. Why do, health behavioral health center that she works at. And there's nothing that she can do. She's constantly calling the cops. She's saying, like, he's always there. Everywhere I go, he's there. There's an incident in a grocery store parking lot where he, like – basically almost runs her down when she won't pay attention to him. She files charges. Police say there's not enough evidence. I mean, she's constantly calling. He's here. He's here. But now he's smart because now he just works across the street. It's not his fault. He just happens to work so close to her and that he can be sitting there when she gets at work outside of his work. Mm -mm. And so it's very smart stalking because it's like within the scope of the law, he has the right to have a job. Therefore, even if she was successful in getting any kind of a restraining order, which she isn't because the cops don't know how to prosecute stalking at this point. Right. Um, 
and it's just incredibly frustrating. I'm sure you can't hear that in my voice at all while I talk about this. Um, I wrote down so, 2001 courts were not really listening to female victims. I was like, yeah. what? Listen to women for yeah, fun. Believe man. women. Okay. So the stalking has just gotten to the point of where she's constantly in fear. She's constantly stressed out. He's a constant presence. And that brings us to September 9th, 2001, where several phone calls start coming in to the um, Cloeur d'Alene. Is that how you say it? Cloeur d'Alene. Coeur d'Alene um, Police Department saying that there is a gunman, an intruder, um, in the behavioral health facility who has taken a hostage, has a gun, and on the premises in this facility are not just the hostage and the gunman, but also three dozen children yeah. and 11 other staff members. And... Um, yeah, like this is a small town that's not really equipped for something like an active shooter situation. But they scramble around. They do the best that they can. Now in the documentary, we meet um, Mary Skerber, I believe is how you pronounce her fi- last name. Mary was a co-worker with um, Kate at the Behavioral Health facility and she starts to explain that because it's a psych unit for even though it's for children it is a locked down facility like to get in you have to be buzzed in like you have to be a known person so on this day september 9th at 2 p.m um kate shows up for her shift parks her car walks towards the front door unbeknownst to her there is a rental car with a man in the front seat laying all the way down waiting for her She is buzzed in by Mary, and as the door starts to open, a man kind of, like, rushes up behind Kate and pushes her inside along with himself, and then the door shuts and locks behind him. So, at first, Mary's like, what's happening? Is this, like, your kid playing a joke on you? Um, And then immediately, Kathleen turns to her and says, this is my stalker. I need you to call the police. Another counselor comes out. I think his name was Ken. No, that's the stalker's name. Kent. That's why I was confused. Um, and they try to kind of talk them down because they're counselors. They're, they work in a psych unit, you know, so they're like, if we could just, we have to ask you to leave. There are children here. So then Kenneth pulls out a gun. Remember how he bought a gun? Well, he's got it, you guys. He's got it with him. And so they say, okay, please put the gun down. Kathleen is trying to defuse the situation and talk him down and be like, everything's fine. Everything's just, you don't need to do this. They convince him to let them move all of the children out of that general area because he's not there for the children. So all three dozen kids are moved um, into the gymnasium and then kind of shut in there. Again, calls are are coming in constantly. Like there's a man with a gun inside. He won't put the gun down. There are kids here. And then now a SWAT team has basically been assembled as fast as possible, but probably not fast enough. Um because it's a small town that was not prepared for this. And uh, as they're on the perimeter trying to figure out kind of what to do, shots ring out. And at first it's like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. And eventually seven shots are heard. (sighs) 
Sorry. I don't know why I just got like weirdly emotional. Um, seven shots are heard and the cops are like, okay, we got to get these kids out of here. So they manage to get into the part of the building where the kids were being held in the gym. They get all of the kids and staff outside. But the area where uh, Kenneth had entered and taken Kathleen hostage, that door is still locked. So cops are just holding the perimeter so he can't escape and kind of just like waiting and hoping that like he'll try to negotiate something with them to release her, but they also have no idea what's going on. And remember, several shots were fired. So at this point, we cut back to um, Abby, the daughter, and she is explaining that on that day, the kids were about to go back to school, I think maybe the following day, like the first, well, no, would September 9th be a first day of school situation? Yeah, sure. Okay. So going after, back to After school, Labor Day kind of thing, yeah. Yeah, and so she had been calling her mom all day trying to get in touch with her because she wanted her to come for dinner. Her kids were asking to see Nana. She knew that she had been really stressed out because of everything going on in her life. And she said she called her multiple times and she couldn't she couldn't get through to her. And then um, she's at home and the news comes on and she sees that there is an active hostage situation taking place at the facility where her mom works. And she says that she knew immediately that it was her mom. Mm. And that it was Kenneth and her mom. And another sad thing that happens this day is, so remember me and Steve, the husband, but he's still in the picture. So he's driving home from work and he happens to drive past her job on his way home. He sees all of the police activity. He pulls in. He runs up. He's stopped by police. They tell him what's happening. And he is standing outside knowing that his wife is inside with her stalker who has a gun for three hours. Oh, my God. He stands there and there's nothing he can do. And Rhonda, the church friend, says that he may not have known how to love her right, but he paid for all of his wrongs in those three hours. Ouch. And that made me very sad. Yeah. It made me very sad. So after three hours, it's decided. I don't know why three hours, you guys. I kept thinking, why three hours? Like, why are you just standing there for three hours? Other than the fact that they just don't know what's going on inside and they don't want to cause him to shoot Kathleen. But they finally decide after no contact from him no sound no nothing for three hours they breach the facility they enter the area where he had taken her hostage and they find two bodies the body of kate is she's laying face up she's been shot four times and um she is dead and then draped across her legs is the body of kenneth who had murdered kate and then taken his own life and let me, sorry, let me just get my notes back on track here. Sorry. What so I'm, then they go sure. to, yeah, they go, they basically start kind of talking to all of the friends and family members that we've met this far, like how they found out. Her son, Mark, is like mowing the lawn and his wife comes running out and he's like, your dad's on the phone, your dad's on the phone. And his dad is hysterical and he keeps saying that clown killed your mom. And at first, Mark says he actually thought he was referring to her Steven. new husband, Steve. But but um, no, he said that he just kept calling him that clown. And that clown was Kenneth. And um, then they talked to the uh, the reporter of the town who says, you know, the sad thing about this was that this was clearly the only way in Kenneth's brain that he was ever going to get to be with her was to kill her and then kill himself. And then they would finally be together. I don't really think that's, you know... That doesn't really make any sense other than if you're just trying to find a reason. I think it was a, 
I'm so pissed off at you for never acquiescing and giving me what I want. So I'm going to kill you. But then I'm too much of a coward to deal with being a murderer and going to jail for my whole life. So then I'm going to kill myself. That's my guess as to what it was really about. Um, But it was a huge story in this small town. Active shooter, hostage situation, three dozen children in a facility for children. Um, But then two days later, two hijacked planes fly into the Twin Towers in New York City and Kathleen's story gets lost in it Mm. and that is kind of I think what felt like the the reason that this story was being told on Twisted Love the reason why the family members wanted to be interviewed is because they they thought it was time that people heard this story that people see how much the system failed Kathleen, how she did everything right in terms of dealing with a stalker. She, you know, switched jobs. She constantly kept track of what he was doing. She contacted police. She did everything she could to protect herself. And there apparently was nothing that she could have done to prevent this is what it feels like to me. And that that Mm -hmm. is not her fault. That is the system's fault. And then the saddest part on top of it is that because of a monumentally like world changing shift that took place, you know, just two days after it happened, then of of course that stopped being the headlines and nine 11 became the head. Of course, like that's inevitable, but it does. I don't know. It just made me sad. Anyway, that's the sad, tragic tale of, uh, Kathleen, of Kathleen, Austin, Sealy. Um, something, That is so, that is really, really sad. I, I mean, you know, I was, I was thinking like, stalking is such an interesting, why? I just don't understand why people stalk. Maybe we do a rom-crime stalking edition and do a couple episodes of different stalkers because I, I'd love to like dive in and learn a little bit more. Yeah, what causes I actually, that. I, I do, I would too. I'm, I'm very curious as to, I, I, as I mentioned to you, Vaughn, before we started recording, I did try to do some research about stalking laws in because they're different from state to state it's not a federal thing or at least I couldn't find anything federal about stalking um and so I tried to like look into Idaho you know and I I couldn't it was hard to follow I'm not a legal brain so that's not terribly surprising and I was like (laughs) I don't really understand what I'm reading um but I was trying to find out you know like did this happen like did was there new laws put in place as a result of this or is the point of them telling us the story is that nothing really changed law wise because the story got lost in the crisis that was 9-11 and therefore like now we're telling the story to to remind people of the flaws in the system I don't know if I'm getting giving the show too much credit in for their motives. <laughs> um, well, but, uh, we'll give it to the kids. The kids credit for yeah, their motives. Of absolutely. That, you know? But I would I would be very curious to do a series on stalking and see what we can learn in terms of the laws, in terms of how they've changed and mm-hmm. where they are good and where they are bad. And yeah. um, I love look that. into that some more. Maybe talk to a therapist type person to talk about what causes stalking or is yeah. there a cause or, you know, so guys, we're going to come at you with some uh, stuff. I'm a, pr- I'm grateful for this episode because I feel like now I'm sparked a little bit. I want to learn more. Yeah. So guys, that, that concludes our coverage of Twisted Love. We're going to have to yeah. think on That's the next It's been a wild things. ride. Yeah. We got a, we got a couple of fun um, listener 
uh, story oh, yes, ideas, which did. I think I think yes, we'll we probably go ahead and do those next because that's right. always exciting when somebody right. somebody comes in with something that you're like, oh my god, yes, that's a brilliant idea. Oh, I'm excited, you guys, so much. Yeah. Thank you so much for listening. We love you guys. Thank you for listening. We love you. We'll talk to you next week. Bye. Mm -hmm.